We're almost at the end of our discussion on creationism, specifically positing a young Earth, meaning a little over 6,000 years old instead of multiple billions of years. Originally, I intended for the series to run maybe six to eight weeks, but it looks like this being the eighth week, there's still a lot of material uh, left, a lot that's been deleted. Um, just dealing with the vast amount of research and information, uh, I, I know I could take up 12 weeks easily uh, and beyond that, but I feel like the, you know, the point's been made, all the major bases are almost all covered, and so I do want to bring this to a close. So um, uh, today's session will be the first ending to the series, I suppose, and then uh, we might have like one more, you know, to cover some other loose ends. It'll be like the Lord of the Rings has multiple endings, you know, and so you can just kind of, you can stop here if you want, and you can keep going with uh, the rest of the endings if you want. Uh, everyone was really just, if we're being honest, wondering about dinosaurs anyway, and we've already covered that, that subject. So, today we cover the creation of the very first human beings, Adam and Eve. Uh, I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And what you have here is the direct and clear statement from God that God created man differently than the animals. Uh, man was made in God's image. We are rational, volitional. Uh, originally, we were designed to be righteous and innocent. Uh, we're made for fellowship. We're set apart from the animals in, in, in uh, these ways, among many others. Um, you know, God is a Lord and a creator, and we're given lordship and, and creativity as well, etc. And chapter 2 explicitly reveals that human beings were not evolved from animals at all. Man and woman, uh, man and woman are distinctly created. It says in Genesis 2.7, then the Lord, L-O-R-D, capital letters, then Yahweh God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So you have him being formed from the dust of the ground. Uh, verse 21, so Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that Yahweh God took from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So, the man was formed from the ground, the woman was formed from the rib or the side that God had taken from the man, uh, and there is clearly no evolution there. There's, um, there, there are no parents for, uh, for the first man with the first woman, Adam and Eve, respectively. All humanity came from them. All humanity came from Adam and Eve, which you can imagine has been met with immediate derision from naturalists. Uh, there is this insistence that God couldn't have actually meant what he said. And many, uh, many Christians have uh, tried to jump onto that and say that, yeah, the, it, it's impossible for God to have created all human beings uh, 6,000 years ago from Adam and Eve, from just two people and stuff. So I do want to cover the, uh, the objections that people have, the main objections, right? First, we're going to talk about some creation heresies that were, uh, that were put together to try to defend an old earth position. Uh, second, we'll discuss the possibility of all human beings and whether or not they could have come from just one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. Third, we'll explore the evidence uh, if, uh, of whether or not all humanity came from one man and one woman. And then fourth, we'll ask the questions about cavemen, Neanderthals, that kind of stuff. Okay, let's start with creation heresies. Uh, I want you to know about these just so that uh, first you know they're out there, second that you don't ever fall into them, that kind of stuff, right? But um, the first one is just something called uh, exogenesis. Exogenesis is the idea that life on earth 
came from something or somewhere else in the universe, whether by accident or you know on purpose is not stated. That's just the general idea that life came from somewhere else. That's exogenesis. A strand of exogenesis is called panspermia, and uh, that that's the idea that life was like aliens had deposited life on Earth. You know, that life on Earth came from aliens, specifically aliens, not just something out there, but specifically aliens out there put life on Earth. Uh, and, and then direct panspermia is this idea, they, they put life seeds throughout the universe. Um, there's no way to know if the aliens themselves were evolved or created, that's not even really part of the discussion really. But uh, one of the co-discoverers of DNA, his name is Francis Crick, uh, he believed in panspermia and he uh, he, he knew that DNA could not have evolved. It was too intricate, it was too detailed, it was too designed. And so, uh, him being a staunch atheist, he didn't, uh, he didn't then conclude that God created life, he concluded that aliens created life. Um, and all this does is protect the idea of an old earth, billions of years old, and, uh, and still say that uh, but life wasn't an accident because it very obviously has the markings of design. Another, uh, another teaching uh, on that tries to protect older theory is uh, a gap theory. A gap theory says that there is a, a, a gap of time between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And they say, boom, that was it. That, you know, everything was created including a fully functioning heavens and earth, a complete populated with animals, dinosaurs, all of that stuff. And then they said, like, events happened after that. And then in verse 2 of Genesis 1, it says that the earth was formless and void. And waters covered it and the Holy Spirit was kind of hovering over it and stuff. So they said something happened between that. It was first fully functioning, full of life, all that stuff. And, and uh, gap theory fills it in and says that's when Satan fell. When, he, when Satan fell out of heaven, he fell to the earth and he destroyed it. So the planet became formless and void. Uh, and then, so Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 where God says, uh, let there be light. That's God recreating paradise, re-putting together the, the universe. Um, and the time between the original creation in 1-1 one, one, and the recreation in 1-3 is an unknown gap of time, possibly millions or billions of years. And so they say that's gap theory. There's a gap between uh, those verses. Uh, it allows for an old earth, but it also allows for a six-day recreation. And it usually comes from uh, an odd misinterpretation of the King James Version Bible, where God says to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Uh, replenish in the, uh, it, you know, that sounds like refill, refill the earth, so it sounds like do something again in our English today. But when the King James Version was written back then, uh, it was Elizabethan English, and so the word replenish just meant fill, fill the earth, which is how we translate it now in all of our modern translations, just fill the earth, because that's, that's what the Hebrew word for that means. It just means to fill, not refill, okay? Uh, this theory tries to allow for old earth, and it gives an explanation for dinosaurs millions of years ago, you know, because that's the fossils that we find on the earth. That's from the first creation. But mankind, how old is mankind? Only 6,000 years old, because that's the second creation. There was a gap between the first and the second uh, phases of creation. So uh, the problem with this is, is that it requires that things died off prior to Adam. Things died off prior to sin entering the world. It requires that Adam's sin didn't bring death to creation. It, instead, it means that Satan's 
sin brought death to creation. And that's not what the Bible says. Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So if you notice there, it's, it's uh, positing that sin did not exist inside the created world until mankind chose it. And death didn't exist in the created world until mankind chose it. It's true that Satan, he did sin before Adam did, but that was in, in the heavenly realms. That's in the, you know, the, the non-physical area. But in the material world, Adam had to sin first. Sin and death didn't affect creation until Adam chose it. And that's why Satan had to trick uh, Adam and Eve to sin. Then, then the domain of, of uh, mankind was affected by that. They had to sin. You can't just imagine these like epic history-defining and theology-forming moments and hide it in Genesis 1 without any verses that, that say anything like that. You can't say, oh, you know, between verses 1 and 3, you have this giant epic story that went on with Satan and stuff. Like, that's a, a really bad idea. Can you imagine what would happen if we did that as a normal practice of theology? Right? Like, if we just started stuffing in events in between, like, the, the moments of Jesus' life in, in, in between sentences in his stories and just start adding in whatever we want, you know? Besides, God can't call creation very good in chapter 1, verse 31, if sin and death already existed in creation beforehand, because he hates sin and death. Uh, I, I don't think I, I'd call gap theory an outright heresy, though. I think he could still be saved and, uh, and be convinced of gap theory. It's just big, biblically ignorant. It's just very wrong. Uh, gap theory is obviously an attempt to reconcile old earth with Genesis, and it prioritizes uh, old earth and kind of uh, compromises Genesis in order to do that. But Genesis doesn't say anything uh, close to what gap theory tries to, to propose. Genesis says that God created the heavens and the earth, they were formless, and God formed and arranged them over six days. He put them into order. Now, connected to gap theory, though, is the heresy of this thing called the Luciferian Flood. Uh, that's the heresy of, uh, uh, where it's an attempt to also harmonize Genesis with the theories of geology and evolution. Um, and it says that God created a, a perfect heaven and earth, like in Genesis 1-1. Satan was ruler of the earth, which was populated by men with no souls. But then when he rebelled and sinned, uh, th that sin entered the universe, you know, his evil entered the universe. God judged Satan's fall by... Uh, by flooding the earth, and this was Lucifer's flood, and it's different from Noah's flood. Uh, Lucifer's flood came in, all the plant, animal, and human fossils on the earth today were, uh, all, those, all those creatures were wiped out, and that's what turned into the fossils that we're finding today. Um, there, you know, and they, those are, 100% uh, of life on the earth was wiped out, so all those fossils are not genetically related to what exists today. But this Luciferian flood had to happen between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, which explains a formless and void world covered by water because God had flooded it and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, it's the same problem with the, the gap theory. It's an extension of the gap theory. And, uh, and it's, it's bad theology. You know, it's, it's creating a, this big epic story, stuffing it in, in between two verses, even though there's nothing written about it. Uh, yeah, and it's, and it's because we want so much to believe in an old earth that we have to create a narrative and believe in it, uh, and it's not God's word anymore, it's our word, and that's, that's really what older theory is anyway. It's, it's not God's word, it's our word. Um, then there's this heresy of a, a pre-Adamic race, a, a race that, of humans who existed before Adam. Proponents of the pre-Adamic race, uh, they say that, that when God created man on day six, 
he only created Gentiles, uh, which means non-Jews. Um, and he creates Jews after day seven. So at, on day eight or sometime later than that, he creates Jews, which begins with Adam. And that's what Genesis 2 is about. So Genesis 1, it says God created man, you know, male and female, who cre he created them. Um, and so they go, aha, that's all the Gentiles. And then when you get to chapter 2, you get the more specific story of Adam being formed from the ground and, the, and Eve being formed from his side. And they say that's the beginning of the Jews that happened after all the Gentiles were created on day 6. Uh, and that explains, you know, for some readers why uh, it seems like civilization had been existing for a while. Because um, Adam and Eve have a kid, Cain, and Cain has a wife. Where did he get his wife? And he was afraid that other people would kill him. Who are these other people? And then he founded a city. And how, how was that city populated? You know, so he lived in a populated world. And the big question for them was like, well, that doesn't make sense. If he's the first kid of Adam and Eve, where did all these other people come from? They must have come from the Gentiles that were created on day six. And that they say that civilization was then going on for a while. It still helps bolster this idea of old earth, that the earth has been very, very old. And only Adam was created like 6,000 years ago. All sorts of attempts have been made to say that God created more than just Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve were created by miraculous supernatural intervention, right? Uh, Adam out of the ground, Eve out of his side. Um, and so some people say, well, more people than that were created. And so uh, there are, you know, there are plenty of human beings that exist today that did not come from Adam and Eve necessarily. Radical feminists say that God created a woman named Lilith before Eve, and, uh, and Lilith wouldn't submit to, to Adam's male headship. And so she went and she had kids with the serpent, which is Satan, and that populated the earth. Uh, and that's, that's how you have all those other people, you know, who's Cain's wife, who was he afraid of, all that stuff. Similar to that, you have uh, something called serpent seed theory where Eve's sin wasn't, uh, wasn't just eating the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Her sin was actually that she went and had kids with the serpent, which, I mean, that seems to be a, a recurring pattern that, you know, people like to turn that into a story, even though nothing in Genesis seems to indicate that. Um, the, uh, the children between Eve and the serpent are all the races of mankind that are not white. That's where this is coming from. They're, uh, they're children of Satan. They're lost. They're evil. They can't be saved. Guess who sponsors this line of teaching? Certain white supremacists. And that is their, uh, their unbiblical, poor theological uh, justification to, uh, to stand against all the other races. God meant what he said when he said he created man. He created Adam and Eve. All human beings came from them. And then that just... That it really just comes down to whether or not you believe him at his word. But that still leaves us with a few questions on how that can be. We have reasonable questions as believers, um, reasonable questions that we often ask, and so I think that we ought to give them some special attention. First question is, uh, can all the genetic diversity of the human race actually come from just two human beings? Right? Can all the genetic diversity of the human race come from just two human beings? And I answered this very briefly in the, uh, the sermon on Genesis 10 and 11, the, the beginning of nations, uh, beginning of the nations, excuse me. The genetic variance between human beings is 0.2%, right? That's one-fifth of 1%. That means any two human beings you choose on the planet, you, you compare them genetically and they only differ in, in, uh, in genetics by 0.2%. We are otherwise identical. 
But the differences we pay attention to are things like eye color, eye shape, hair, skin color, etc. You know, and those are just 0.6 of the 0.2% difference. And that means that we, uh, the only things we're paying attention to that make us different are 0.012% uh, in terms of our genetics. We are genetically identical uh, in, or we, the things that we're not looking at are 99.988% of our genetic composition. We are genetically identical in 99.8% of our genes. The, the little tiny fraction of a, a percentage of difference um, is, is what we have developed racism over. You know, that's what, that's what we start to differentiate and we say, I only hang out with group people that are like me. And, uh, and, and we choose those, those tiny little things. But that, that fraction of a percentage of difference can easily be contained in Adam and Eve, can easily be contained, especially in Noah's family, since it's not just two people, it's eight people after the flood. Adam and Eve possessed the genes to produce brown, black, white, yellow offspring, red, everything in between, you know, they, they could do everything, right? Uh, just like mixed race couples sometimes have children that vary drastically in color, Right, if you, uh, like some, some couples who are uh, Caucasian and uh, white and black, okay, you have, you have um, a white and black couple, they can have kids, and the kids can even be twins, and they can be very different in color. One can look mostly black and one can look mostly white. And that, uh, that happens because they contain in them the genes to produce that kind of offspring. Uh, Adam and Eve would have had that. They, they could do that with the entire variety of, uh, of appearances for human beings. And later, the only survivors of the flood were Noah and his wife, and Noah's three sons and, and their three wives, um, which is eight people in all. You see that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 13. Noah's wife, Noah's daughters-in-law, could have been different colors and features from Noah and his sons. Uh, maybe all eight of them were of mixed race, which means they possessed the genetics to produce children of different races, all that kind of stuff. Now, some people think that God created different races at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, when he created the different languages. But the text doesn't say that. It doesn't even imply it, really. What we do know is that different family clans go, go you know, by their own languages. They get their own languages, and then they separate, and they go do their own thing. So if they're all part of the same family clan, they all got the same language, and then they went a certain way. Different family clans got their different languages, and they all spread out and diversified. You see that in the genealogies in chapter 10 and the event of the Tower of Babel that, uh, that takes place during those uh, genealogy, genealogical years, right? Groups moved away from other groups because of language barrier, and in doing so, when a group that speaks a certain language, uh, when they separate from everybody else because of the language barrier, they have drastically reduced the gene pool uh, because they don't have the entire human population to mix with now, and so closer inbreeding took place, and in certain in time, certain features were emphasized, all of which were already present in the genetic code, all of which was inside the human genome. But as further inbreeding occurred through the generations, the gene pool grew very small, much smaller and smaller, to the point that people of one language family all had the same or very similar features. So can genetic diversity of the human race come from just two humans? Yes, it, it uh, very easily can. That's not really uh, much of a, a, a question in terms of the potential of, uh, of the genetic information that can be contained in Adam and Eve. Another question is, is there genetic evidence that all humanity came from one man and one woman? Because that's a, that's a very uh, bold claim. Uh, do we have any evidence to think that at any point 
We all have a common man as an ancestor and, and or a common woman as an ancestor. And the answer to that is yes. In fact, that's, that's not actually a question. That's scientific fact. Man, uh, every man alive today is descended from a single man and every human being is from a single woman. They, we have one man, all of us have one man as a certain ancestor in our history. Whether or not he was the first human being, that's up for debate. But we also have one woman who was uh, in our ancestry. All of us came from a single woman. Whether or not that was the first woman ever, that's also up for debate. And were those two married to each other? And did they have, uh, did they have kids? Were they the first two humans? Again, that's up for debate. But we absolutely know with 100% certainty that all human beings at one point had a single man as an ancestor and all human beings shared a single woman as an ancestor. Uh, it doesn't matter whether or not you're a Christian. It matters it doesn't even matter if you believe in young earth or old earth, That's, uh, that doesn't matter either. In terms of the different worldviews, everyone agrees that all human beings came from one man and one woman at some point in time. We call the man Y-chromosomal Adam, and we call the woman mitochondrial Eve. Those are the two terms to, to I mean, we borrowed the Adam and Eve from the Bible. You know, we use those names for that, um, just, I guess, to be cute. But Y-chromosomal Adam, Adam is the man, uh, the, the male ancestor, and mitochondrial Eve is the female ancestor. Humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. One of those pairs determines your sex, your gender, right? Your uh, females have two X chromosomes. Uh, males have an X and a, a Y. And girls, you get, uh, you get the X chromosomes, one from your, your mother, one from your father. Uh, for boys, they receive their X chromosome only from their mother and the Y chromosome only from their father. Uh, the Y is passed directly from father to son. And because of this, scientists are able to trace male ancestry. It's very easy because the Y chromosome always comes from the father. In 1995, the journal, uh, the journal Science published the results of a study in which a segment of the human Y chromosome from 38 men from different ethnic groups were analyzed for variation. Uh, the segment of the Y chromosome consisted of 729 base pairs. And to their surprise, the researchers found no variation at all. That means the human race must have experienced a genetic bottleneck sometime in the not too distant past, like within a few thousand years ago, uh, if you're young earth, and you would posit a hundred thousand years ago or so, uh, if you're old earth. That is to say, though, that every man alive today actually descended from a single man whom scientists are referring to now as Y-chromosomal Adam. Mitochondrial Eve takes it a step further. While Y-chromosomes are only passed from father to son, mitochondrial DNA is passed from mother to both daughter and son. Uh, because mitochondrial DNA is only passed on by the mother, mitochondrial DNA lineage is the same as maternal lineage. It's exactly the same as that. So scientists found that every human alive today can trace their ancestry back to a single woman, mitochondrial Eve. Y-chromosomal Adam is believed to be the ancestor of every living man. Mitochondrial Eve is believed to be the mother of all living humans, male and female, the mother of all the living. Now, to be technical, again, that doesn't prove that Y-chromosomal Adam was the only man before he started having children. There could have been other men, but maybe he just killed them all, and then he's the only one that populated the earth. Could be something like that. This, uh, so it doesn't prove that he was the only human at his time. It only proves that his descendants are the only ones to have survived. Likewise, mitochondrial Eve was not necessarily the only woman 
alive before before having children. It just means that only her children have survived at this point. Um, all we know for sure is that she's at least one of the ancestors among all living humans. Only her children alive today. It, none of this proves that they were a couple. It doesn't prove necessarily that they lived at the same time even. Uh, but it it's a huge uh, like pointer in the direction of the biblical narrative. As for determining when these two actually lived, respectively, naturalists are uniformitarian in their assumptions. Creationists are not, or shouldn't be anyway. Um, so the Darwinian time frame says they lived hundreds of thousands of years ago, older, um, but we would say 6,000 approximately. Now, what about the issue of cavemen though, right? Cavemen is maybe like the, other than dinosaurs, I think cavemen is like the other big like question that people like to, to ask. Uh, were Adam and Eve cavemen or Neanderthals? You know, let's, let's use those kind of uh, interchangeably, okay? Cavemen and Neanderthals. Um, the answer is no. Adam and Eve were not cavemen. Cavemen aren't, aren't even real in terms of what you might be imagining, okay? If you haven't done the research on this, then maybe what you imagine is something like furry half-men, half-ape creatures crouched in a cave next to a fire, drawing on the walls with newly developed stone tools, right? That's, that's kind of what you get. It's, it's a, uh, a common misconception. It's popularized by cartoons and TV shows and, and, and mass media, but uh, th none of those are the result of actual evidence. Right? Those, those are like, uh, th they're just things that you see on TV uh, and it's, it's like the, you know, it's like the Christmas stories like Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red Nosed Rangers. Like none of that comes from actual evidence. It doesn't come from the Bible. It just is popular commercial stuff. Um, not only is there major opposition to these interpretations within the academic community, but even evolutionists don't entirely agree among themselves on the details of cavemen, their existence, uh, the, their particular lifestyles, their aptitudes, etc. The fossil evidence is crystal clear. Cavemen were human beings who lived in caves. At least you could say that much. So uh, did cavemen exist? Yes, if that's the definition. Human beings who lived in caves. They weren't a different species. They weren't a subhuman species or anything like that. They weren't a pre-human species. What we know is cavemen uh, existed insofar as human beings did at some point live in caves. Fossilized ape remains have frequently been interpreted as a transition between ape and men, right? Someone finds fossil, uh, fossilized ape bones and they go, aha, this must be the missing link. They, they would do that. They find a misshapen tooth in a cave uh, and from that they create uh, an entire misshapen human being who lived there, right? By finding a tooth uh, and they, they create it and they make it hunched over looking like an ape and stuff. There isn't actual evidence to suggest that man and ape came into, uh, came into, uh, sorry, that man and ape came from a common ancestor, and yet everyone keeps looking for this missing link. Every so-called missing link that they found, they, you know, they, they blasted on the news and everything, and it goes into all these different books, and then 100% of these missing links, or these transitional fossils, these, these fossils that are supposed to be that middle step between one species and another, all these transitional fossils and missing links have been falsified. Australopithecus sediba, Java man, Pig man, Piltdown man, Tong child, uh, Homo habilis, Lucy, etc. The, the, the list goes on. The, the, these were all famous at some point. These names were all big names uh, that people thought were the missing link. They were the transition from ape to man. All falsified. When I was in high school, I learned about every single one of these and they were taught in biology class as fact. 
it was the missing link and uh, and and there were uh, there were programs and newscasts and things that covered every single one of them you know said like we found it we figured it out and then all falsified it doesn't even have to be from ape to man between two other species like the lemur to the monkey you know there's the darwinius uh, darwinius massillae also known as ida um, that was a finding a transitional fossil it was falsified right Every so often, news outlets irresponsibly report the sensational claim that someone somewhere found the missing link. That was that was very uh, very popular at a certain point in time, and it's still something that people try to do now. But it gives this false impression that science, at long last, discovered the proof of evolution. Imagine, imagine that we find a man with hands but no arms. So his hands are right outside his shoulders. Okay. He has no arms. He just has hands. Uh, is he a transition between a man and a fish? Is that the, the immediate thing we, we would say? We would say, no, he's fully human, but he doesn't have arms. He has a condition known as, uh, focomelia. It, it, it's, um, I don't know. It's inherited. It can be caused by uh, pre prenatal exposure to thalidomide, but, uh, he has a condition. How responsible would it be if we found uh, such a man and, uh, and we just we blasted on every news outlet to report about this guy with, with, who has hands but no arms and we say he's the missing link between uh, man and fish. It shows that fish evolved into man. Um, you know, we've discovered the transitional creature. It proves evolution. Um, and then, you know, he comes out in all these different articles and magazines and stuff. It's called the eighth wonder of the world. Google incorporates the man's image into their logo for a day. Evolutionists claim victory once and for all down with the church, etc. I mean, that would be stupid, right? That'd be, uh, that would be unreasonable. And yet this happened in 2009. With that fossil that I just talked to you about, about a, a lemur, a Darwinius massili, which is also called Ida. The lemur was found as a fossil of a lemur, it was a normal lemur, except it was missing a grooming claw. And because it was missing a grooming claw, they insisted, oh wait, this, like, this is like this transition between a, a lemur and a monkey. And then shenanigans ensued, all that stuff, you know, blasted on every news outlet, Google uses the image and the eighth wonder of the world, all of that stuff. And they pointed out, look, Ida even has opposable thumbs like we do. And Ida has nails instead of claws like we do. And that was put everywhere. Fun fact, all lemurs have opposable thumbs and all lemurs have nails instead of claws. That's normal. And yet, you know, just to jump on top of that and make the ton of money and fame on, on finding the so-called missing link, you know, all of that, so many times it's happened and all of it's been falsified. Single bone fragments of species like donkeys or pigs were used to create, to, to construct uh, complete skeletons of ape men, right? They find a piece of a bone of a donkey, like the jaw, and then they, they recreate the, the whole skeleton. Like, this is what the man would have looked like. And everyone goes, aha, that looks like a missing link between... Ape and man. Bones of recently deceased humans have been mixed with recently deceased apes to create allegedly ancient ape men. Diseased human skeletons have been distorted to look more ape-like and put on display. The wide range of potential variations in human anatomy have been exploited and forced to suggest a missing link. And these are all sold to the public. They're photographed. They're used for, uh, in textbooks. And all of it later is found to be falsified. Modern, uh, modern Australian Aborigines 
have they have these deep set eyes they have these short faces heavy brow ridges and and big jutting jaws um but they're 100 human beings homo sapien they do look more like apes than other groups of people their so-called ape-like features coupled with their traditional aboriginal culture makes evolutionists say that they are primitive ape men and yet genetically they are 100 percent homo sapien human beings the pygmies of africa fared no better many were rounded up and put on display in cages as proof quote unquote of evolution but they're not some 19th and 20th century evolutionists thought all non-caucasian people were ape-like and therefore inferior to whites I'll quote Darwin, who wrote that, quote, at some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races of the world, uh, throughout the world. At the same time, the anthropomorphous apes, apes that look, like, that look human, will no doubt be exterminated. The break between man and his nearest allies will then be wider for it will for it will intervene between man in a more civilized state as we may hope even then the caucasian and some ape as low as baboon instead of as now between the negro or australian and the gorilla that was uh, darwin in the descent of man now darwin says the the future you know the more civilized human quote-unquote, more civilized, will come from the Caucasian race. Uh, humans closest to apes are the Negroes and the Australian Aborigines, and yet they are all 100% human. Gorillas are 100% ape. Humans are 100% human. That, and that's, that's what evolutionists do with Neanderthals. They're, they're humans with ape-like features, um, and because they look like apes, they, you know, then they go, oh, they must be the missing link just like they would do with the Australian Aborigines, right? They look like apes, and so they must be the missing link. That's what they would do. They, uh, they don't go by science. They just kind of think, oh, you look like an animal, so you must be a missing link. Um, now, most of, the, uh, most of the humans with ape-like features that are found often have pathological conditions, rickets, scurvy, syphilis, arthritis. And these all exacerbated uh, their superficially ape-like characteristics. But everything we know about Neanderthals suggests that they were just as human as we are. Uh, they were skilled hunters. They lived in complex societies. They buried their dead. They practiced religion, right? Those are very sophisticated behaviors that uh, you don't find uh, in, in, that, in that kind of degree in the animal kingdom. For a while in recent years, they were saying that they could prove genetic similarities between Homo sapiens, us, and uh, Neanderthals which it makes no sense because DNA similarities don't prove evolutionary, uh, evolutionary descent any more than it proves commonality of choice by intelligent design, right? If God wanted to use the same kind of DNA structure and stuff, he could have. And so it doesn't, it doesn't prove one way or another. I don't think that the creationists should use that as, uh, as uh, intelligent design commonality choice. And I don't think that the evolutionists should use that as proof of descent. But uh, that's really where the controversy lies with Neanderthals, when you think about it. If you say that Neanderthals are so similar to Homo sapiens that we could have children, which is, you know, that's how they think that the Neanderthals kind of phased out. They just had children with, with Homo sapiens, and so Neanderthals, Neanderthals are gone. If they can procreate with Homo sapiens, why call them a different species? Darwin said people of color were, uh, were subhuman. 
He and his followers said black people were closer to gorillas. But the variation still range with the normal, uh, normal human genome, right? You, you, it's not like a, it's, it was a new thing added into the human genome. It wasn't that. Just because a man has a more pronounced brow or jaw doesn't mean he was a different species or came from a different species. Look at dogs. Dogs have extremely different looking breeds, right? In terms of size, color, shape, all of it. Uh, they have extremely looking different breeds and every single one of them is one species. They are all the same species. It would be irresponsible for us to look at human beings uh, and conclude they must be from different species because it would be inaccurate to even look at dogs and say because they look different they must be different species. Genetic similarities between human and chimp even have been dismissed. I mean that was like a big thing for a while. People were saying they're, they're more than 99% similar, humans and chimps, and then it turns out it's, uh, there's a lot more difference in that. There's a lot more variation. Uh, it's no longer used as viable evidence for evolution. It's now used in the opposite direction. Uh, the, the areas of, of uh, variation in the human genome and the chimp genome are proving a, a different kind of descent, not a similar one. Etc, etc, right? There's no missing link. There's no evidence for such a link, so scientists keep saying it exists, and we go, where is it? And they just go, it's missing. And that's just bad science. That There is no transitional species. There's no primitive cavemen. Adam and Eve were not primitive or ape-like or intellectually deficient by any means. Genesis 3 records Adam and Eve having a fully intelligent conversation with God. In chapter 2, they were married. Uh, in, in chapter 2, Adam named all the animals that, uh, that walked around and, you know, that lived on land. So he, he named them all. He was exercising dominion. He was demonstrating incredible creativity the uh, acute ability to perceive and categorize the true nature of things. The first two human beings, Adam and Eve, were created flawless in a perfect state until they chose to sin. Adam and Eve were the ideal human beings. They were better versions of us, not less. They were not, uh, they were not less developed than we are. They were, if anything, more, and we have degenerated. The Bible does not use the term caveman or Neanderthal, so according to the Bible, there is no such thing as prehistoric man in that sense. But the Bible does describe a period of traumatic upheaval upon the earth. The flood, right? Genesis 6 through 9. Civilization was utterly destroyed except for eight people. Humanity was forced to start over. So it's in this historical context that some scholars believe men lived in caves and made use of stone tools. These men were not primitive. They were simply destitute. They were not half ape. They were fully human. All that to say, on day six of creation, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he formed the woman out of the man's side. Every human being that has ever lived has come from Adam and Eve. No other human being has, uh, was ever created apart from Adam and Eve. Um, that's why 1 Corinthians 15.45 calls Adam the first man. And Genesis 3.20 calls Eve the mother of all the living. Even Jesus himself, though he did not have a human father, descended from Eve. So he had, uh, he had his ancestry connected to Eve, who is, of course, connected to Adam. We are all sons of Adam in that sense. Adam is the son of God, as Luke 3 says. He lived approximately 6,000 years ago, if you look at the genealogies in the Bible, which was on the sixth day of this young earth, which means that the earth is approximately 6,000 years old. Okay, let's pray. God, there's much to say, and uh, 
all of it gets very technical now and and uh, and really the the fight for our uh, for our understanding is uh, is not on theological grounds anymore. The Bible is very clear on how long it took to do what you did, but it's uh, it's on on the grounds of what's presented to us as science, and it gets into the the doctrine of evolution. And so we pray, Lord, that we would just keep our minds sharp and know that uh, that what you said is true, and the information that uh, that we are given in schools and stuff is uh, it's healthy and, and, and helpful when when it teaches us how to think critically and to to analyze carefully but we do want to know uh, how we can distinguish good science from bad science how we can tell the difference between when someone uh, just throws something into a textbook or on the news or something and makes a lot of money off of it but it's it's false information when it's made from from something that isn't even human and, and presented as a human skeleton or something God, we pray that we would look into these things and, and really dig deep to find out what's going on. Because more than anything, we want to know what's true. And uh, time and time again, you prove that your word is truth. And so sanctify us by your truth. Um, keep growing us, keep, keep teaching us, and reminding us again and again that everything you've said, everything you've written down is not, uh, is not so flawed that it should be doubted, but is absolutely true. And we can place our faith in it because it doesn't just tell us about creation. It tells us about salvation. And that's really what we need to know. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.